Combating education inequality, being tokenized as young female change makers, and making an impact as a largely female-run organization. I chatted with Sarah and Skye about these issues and their amazing project. They've done an incredible amount and they have so much to share, so let's jump in. Okay, well, welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast with me. Um, can you just start by kind of introducing both yourselves and maybe where you're from and things you're interested in? Oh, I'll go first. My name is Sarah Shapiro, um, and I'm in 12th grade in Los Angeles, California, and I'm one of the co-founders of the COVID-19 Project, and my interests are in international relations, public policy, specifically educational policy, um, and environmental policy. Hi, I'm Sky Leventhal. I'm also from Los Angeles, California, and I am also a senior, and I am planning on studying um, marketing or international business. Um, so yeah. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for being here. Can you tell me a little bit about the COVID-19 project? Maybe what propelled you to start it in the first place? And then how did it kind of take form after that? Yeah, so Sky and I are both daughters of educators. So we saw firsthand how different educational inequalities were being exacerbated by the pandemic. And as you know, I was saying, like, I have a passion for combating educational inequalities. That's something that I'm really interested in studying when I'm older and potentially working in politics to be able to mitigate those issues. So since Sky and I both had experience, like Sky actually works in the classroom with younger kids oftentimes. So um, we both saw that this was something that we were equipped to help with. And we wanted to make a difference using the spare time that we had. So once we kind of had this idea that we wanted to start a project, we wanted to do something during the pandemic, and we really had no idea what it was going to be. But we got together with a group of about 16 or 17 people from our school, and we started um, just kind of brainstorming anything and everything that could potentially be something we were interested in working on. So um, from writing letters to senior homes to um, just providing relief in so many different ways, we kind of brainstormed everything, but it all seemed to kind of come back to our interest being in this specific area of education and working with kids. And that's kind of where we were finding that we were most passionate. So that's the direction we decided to take. And then we just started planning everything from there. COVID happened, people weren't going to school and you know parents are busy and all of that. Um, so what did you kind of know about education inequality before? And then what have you learned from it through your project? Yeah, so I like have a passion for learning about this sort of thing. I'm actually on the varsity speech team and varsity debate team at my school. So one of the things that I've actually really been interested in studying through my time on the teams um, was educational inequalities. So one of my favorite speeches I've ever done is about the irregularities in the English language. And then I was understanding through it um, and informing people about how this leads to a lot of barriers for um, English language learner students, um, especially for immigrants and refugees. And so essentially I was talking about how it can lead to barriers for assimilation, but also economic implications in the long run. Um, and sort of understanding how there are barriers in the education system that are systematically preventing individuals from being able to reach their fullest potential. So that's sort of like the background that I had. And I knew that this was something I was incredibly passionate about. And then, you know, Sky and I, we both, you know, grew up 
helping out in our mom's classrooms. We both grew up like helping out at a school. So we thought like, this is perfect. You know, um, we have the skill set to be able to help with this. So, you know, let's put our thinking caps on and get to working. I've also spent a good amount of time working um, in tutoring. So I'm part of the academic mentor program at our school. So I tutored in math after school last year um, at person, I mean, in person until we had to switch to virtually in March. Um, and then I'm part of that program again this year. And I think that just working with people, they're like peers, but at the same time, like they're there to get the extra help. So I think there's a lot of um, just things that you notice about um, like educational inequalities just through working with people. So I guess like kind of going back to how you kind of started this whole project, what was the process like when you got started and how did it grow from there? Well, to start off, I don't know. So Sky and I, we've been best friends ever since we were really, really young. And I've always sort of had these huge ideas and Sky's always been the type of person to be like, how can you realistically get that done? Like you need a plan of action, you know? Um, so basically I was talking to her about how I wanted to start a project. I'm really interested in the whole like nonprofit sphere and I've created a nonprofit before. So I was like, Sky, we have all this free time, you know, let's make something. And so we went through a lot of brainstorming and then we reached out to a lot of people in our school's like academic program. So I'm in the international baccalaureate diploma program and Sky's in the AP capstone program. So essentially we were reaching out to individuals that we know are really interested in making an impact in their community. And so we started brainstorming ideas and working together to sort of form boards on research and fundraising if we were going to potentially do that, which isn't the route we ended up going down, but um, we started fleshing out all of these ideas and having like foreign meetings basically every other day until you're able to figure out exactly what we wanted to do. And then kind of from that point, once um, we had the infrastructure of the board, we decided to have three main kind of like sections of the board. So we had activities and tutoring, which we ended up splitting later on. And then we had outreach and media, and that was kind of the main infrastructure of our board. And so from there, we really focused on building the infrastructure of the program. So like how the tutoring sessions were gonna work, how we were going to communicate with everyone, how we were going to get the word out to families that wanted to sign their kids up and to people that would wanna volunteer and be tutors and activity leaders. So that's really what we focused on for the majority of the first few weeks to month or so. Yeah, and like thinking about the scale of it and how we built it up. I mean, we started off, you know, completely from scratch and we just had this idea. So as Sky was saying, like, we had to come up with how, first of all, are we going to make sure that we have quality programming for these kids? So we have like hundreds of programs that we were offering over the summer, right? Like over 200, like close to 240. So we were offering all these programs, but we wanted to make sure that we still like maintained equality throughout them. So we had to come up with a whole process of like vetting the activities. So getting them approved with an activity proposal, um, then constantly submitting lesson plans, parent emails to be able to send information to the parents with supplies that they would need, or just information to be able to log onto Zooms. That was a whole like process that we had to go through, but also we needed to come up with 
How are we actually going to make sure that parents are getting this information? How are we going to reach out to people that can potentially benefit from our services? So that was one facet of outreach, but another facet of outreach was how are we going to find these volunteers? If we're planning to have all of these activities and tutoring, we obviously need a lot of volunteers, but you know, not just taking everyone that comes in, we had to come up with a comprehensive volunteer orientation and training process and the application process beforehand that can ensure that they're qualified mentors. So we had to come up with all of that in addition to creating a website, figuring out a system for signups for activities and tutoring, um, constantly updating that, keeping communications with parents, and then also a big thing became time zones, you know, with parents and also teen mentors being in completely different time zones, many different countries, um, we had to figure out how we could potentially handle contacting everyone at once. There was a point in time where Sky and I were both working about 16 hours a day and we were both on opposite time cycles. Like Sky, do you want to explain what happened? So Sarah would be staying up until like 4 a.m. just working on anything and everything. And I would be up by 6 a.m. scheduling emails and making sure everything was going out, handling any emails that were coming in as the activities were starting or if there were any issues or anything like that, or just questions that people had about the upcoming classes. So there was pretty much always somebody checking the emails and communicating with um, the parents, with the volunteers, and just whatever was needed um, at any hour of the day. And honestly, that was like the highlight of my summer. And I know that sounds so weird because like who would want to be getting that little sleep? But like, I just felt like I had such a purpose and I still feel like that. But obviously, like, you know, with school, I don't really get to spend as much time as I got to spend during the summer. And we actually offer activities and tutoring every single day of the week. So I get to continually like work on this sort of thing but we were hosting hundreds and hundreds activities per week um, over the summer, which really gave me a purpose of like to keep going and, you know, constantly be checking emails, talking to parents, talking to news sources. Uh, I think that basically those weeks of summer, I think they were about like eight or nine weeks that we worked every single day on activities and tutoring from 9am to 5pm Pacific Standard Time. It was crazy and hectic, but it was probably the coolest experience I've ever had in my life. I'm sure that's like what I think about the idea of like are you guys 17 18 ish yeah we're both 17 yeah it's two 17 year olds starting this entire thing over a summer in the midst of a global pandemic is pretty crazy and so I'm sure it was definitely the craziest experience but also one of the best experiences we ever had because I got yeah. firsthand the impact as well and I thought it was incredible the whole time as well so thank you <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was honestly just such a good experience. Like we had this free time and we saw a need in our community. So to be able to address that and then grow into an international organization, you know, with hundreds of volunteers and helping nearly a thousand students, like it, it has truly been the most rewarding experience for both of us. I know like being able to see the kids, like their faces light up when they finally understand a certain subject or playing a game and getting to meet friends from all the way across the world. Like it is such a rewarding experience for us to be able to see the impact it has on these kids. There was also such an unexpected impact on us of the way we connected with so many teens like all across um, the US and Canada and even some internationally um, as well. Um, the way that we connected with all of these volunteers, like there are some people we've been 
communicating with for the last six months now that we've never met in person, but they're some of our closest friends now. And um, just not even within our own organization, we've also connected with so many teams um, from other organizations as well. And it's just kind of this like amazing network of people that we never would have expected to be in contact with, but it's been super rewarding for us as well. It's crazy. Like I met one of my now best friends from the projects and we now met once in person social distancing. But other than that, like we became friends for months because we were both working on this project together. And you know, you don't meet these people in person, but that's sort of how it is in this day and age of COVID. Um, but it's honestly so amazing that we're able to collaborate on something that we all genuinely care about with a collective purpose and then bond over that and truly build friendships. I mean, we had all over the summer um, bondings with all of the volunteers. So we would have like Jeopardy and escape rooms because we actually have one of our activities for kids is a virtual escape room. So we did one with our volunteers um, and honestly, it has just been such a whirlwind, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It sounds like it's been the most positive experience ever from the way you're talking about it, but I'm sure it wasn't always like amazing and it wasn't always going smoothly and stuff. So what was it like to just manage all of it? I mean, you had this, you're managing this huge team for one. And then in addition to that, you had all these kids to be responsible for throughout the whole day. So I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what that dynamic was like. I mean, you guys are two young women um, obviously extremely capable, but as my experience has told me, and I'm, as I'm sure that you guys have experienced in the world, it's been, it's not always easy. So I guess just what was that experience like for you guys? I think the main thing, um, we had like sort of one bump, like major bump in the road over the summer because, okay, basically what we have to do is we have hundreds and hundreds of activities and tutoring sessions, right? So we have to deal with parent signups and sending out emails and scheduling them to go out at a certain time and managing that with like our social media team as well. And like a lot of like liability forms and stuff like that. So I got to a point during the summer where I was like, I just need to take a week off. Like I'm going to do my classes, but I can't manage this for a one week because I just need to take a break. And then that week I felt bad because Sky had to take on parts of my work then. And so then I ended up taking a bit of hers after. And we basically got to this point where we were like, we're sort of getting burnt out, you know, after like months and months of working on this project that we're pouring our heart and soul into every ounce of our passion and like every ounce of energy in our body we're pouring into this. And it kind of gets to a point where it's really draining. And no matter how much you love what you're doing, like, obviously we say like you make time for the things that you love, but there gets to a certain point where it's like, you kind of lose that like mental capacity to be able to give anymore. I don't know, Sky, if you want to elaborate. Yeah, I mean, we would not, we would be lying if we were saying the entire thing was sunshines and rainbows and there were no bumps in the road and everything was perfect. I mean, there were definitely um, days that weren't so positive where there were a lot of tears and a lot of things that we just needed to work through because it is really draining. It's physically exhausting. It's mentally exhausting to just have so many moving pieces all the time that you have to be managing. And it can be a lot to undertake, but we are really thankful that we have, uh, we've had an amazing team around us of other board members that um, were kind of there to support us and take on the work when we needed to take a step back. Um, and obviously we would do the same for them. So I think it was really learning about balance for us because there were points where we had no balance at all. 
and we were just investing everything into the project. And so having to learn that it's okay to take that step back and like ask for help and realize that not everything needs to be on your plate. I think that was a really important thing that we learned um, over the summer. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, you know, we got wrapped up in this whole idea of, you know, I can take on more, you know, like, I know you keep saying that I can't take on more, but I can do it. I can do it. I know it got to a point during the summer where I was teaching like 15 classes per week on top of like managing. And then Sky was doing like 11 classes plus a ton of tutoring days. And we were just like, we can do it. You know, it's like totally fine. But like it, it got to this point where we couldn't anymore, where we had to start cutting down on those sorts of things because it was just like, it was taking a toll on us. And, you know, we want to provide the best quality of like the experiences for these kids. So um, it definitely got to this point where we had to check our priorities. Like, okay, if we really want to have this wonderful programming for them, sometimes we need to take a step back. And one of the like most important qualities of leadership is knowing when to ask for help. And I think that's definitely something that we've realized. And also like in general, what Sky was saying about the moving parts, I think that's been one of the biggest obstacles for us. I mean, when you're dealing with an organization, for example, I think the summer is the best example of this. Um, we had hundreds of activities per day plus tutoring. So all of the emails have to go to the parents with all the information for the classes. The website also has to be updated and also like the form that talks about any supplies that need to be used. So then we have all the volunteers opening these classes and we have to deal with emails from parents if there's a, like the wrong passcode or if they haven't opened it up yet, um, things like that. So that could be really stressful. We always had people on email shifts because it was constantly, like we were constantly getting emails in the inbox. And then in addition to that, we need to make sure that all of the activities were appropriate. So we had to go through and approve all the lesson plans. And then Sky actually um, does something called tutoring admin which is in the tutoring sessions when we need individuals to like assign kids to breakout rooms with a tutor based on the language of preference and the subject that they would like to learn or if they just like working with a specific tutor. So that was another thing that oftentimes it would be really chaotic and stressful when you have all the kids join at the same time and you need to put them into their breakout rooms. Um, but that's just like an example of a day of how it would be for us. And then on top of that, working on outreach and trying to get the word out to more kids and you know, working with our social media team to do volunteer of the week and featured student posts and advertisements. It's just, it's a lot on your plate. And then some days it would just get to be a little bit too much. Yeah, for sure. I can, I can definitely see how that gets to be a lot at one time, especially a summer where you've just got out of like the hardest year of high school or one of the hardest years of high school. And then you're doing this giant project and you're unsure about what's gonna happen next school-wise and life-wise because there's an entire pandemic going on. It's like, we just forget that sometimes, honestly, for me anyway, that like- Yeah, for sure. becomes so normal for me that I'm just like, I just forget because I don't even leave my house because I'm distancing and then it's, it gets weird <laughs> anyway. So first of all, the two young leaders of the project, it seems like your age didn't get in the way too much. Is that correct to say? Were you, you were able to get a lot of students to join and to be part of your program, even though it was run by not adults. <laughs> like, I think we are definitely underestimated though. I think Sky can speak to that a little bit more, but our age wasn't necessarily a detractor from what we were doing, but we definitely were underestimated in terms of like creating something of the scale. Like when Sky and I first presented this idea to people, they thought we were ridiculous and crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think 
I don't think we expected it to be at the scale either, but just when we would talk about kind of what our plans for everything would be and when we were um, first opening up signups, I think no nobody expected us to get more than 20 signups the first week. And I think we got close to 100, if not 100, just that first week that we launched. And so that's kind of when we realized that the scale of it was going to be a lot bigger than we expected. And kind of, uh, we felt like we had to almost prove it over and over again. Um, not that numbers define anything at all, but just um, like the fact that we actually were able to be successful with what we were doing. And it wasn't just some idea because of course, Sarah and I have been best friends for um, like 15 years at this point. We have had plenty of ideas that haven't gone anywhere. So just to kind of separate that from this um, was a struggle in itself. I'm sure actually, it makes a lot of sense that that would be a struggle as well, I think. But what about the piece being these two young women specifically? So when I think about like in my experience with leadership, um, people tend to tell me that certain issues aren't a problem when I'm advocating for them. So like in your case, it could be education inequality or just the idea of the necessity of your organization. Um, because I don't know if it's, I really can't speak to why this happens specifically because I can't see in people's heads, but um, I think that, you know, gender bias and ageism definitely play a role, especially when I'm talking about things like women in leadership and gender inequality. And I think there's this idea that the issues are no longer issues to the same extent that they were or at all. Um, so has that ever come up for you guys or was it always kind of seen as a necessity in the pandemic? We kind of saw and uncovered some implicit biases. Like, for example, on our board, you know, we had one male board member and we found that when females were to contact, like females board members were to contact news outlets, oftentimes we would just get rejection after rejection. And then the minute that we moved a guy to the outreach team, he was getting booking after booking, like they were constantly saying yes. And it might not, obviously, like we don't think they were like, oh man, obviously, you know, we're going to listen to him more. Obviously not, but like, we think that there were some implicit biases at play for sure. Um, and sometimes, you know, within the organization, um, Sky and I would have to, you know, sometimes like show discipline towards volunteers and stuff, because obviously we want to make sure that they're interacting with kids the right way and have the best lesson plans possible. And we found that oftentimes, um, they don't take us as seriously as a male in charge, which definitely was a barrier at first. I remember one of our first like volunteer meetings afterwards, I like went, like I turned off my camera and I started crying because I was like, I don't think they take me seriously. Um, I just sound like this dumb little girl who's trying to um, say something smart in front of these people and failing miserably. I don't know. Sky, if you want to talk a little bit more about that though. So this is kind of in... A completely opposite way. I feel like to some extent when we would get interviews, we would often get praised for the fact that we were so young and women. And I think to some extent that felt condescending because it's like, why wouldn't we be able to do that even though we're like do something like this even though we're young and we're women? And I understand like the point that they're trying to make about like it being so impressive, but like it would feel condescending when we would hear over and over again like oh, and these two young women have just done something that no one would have expected when like, 
expect that people have amazing things to do and are going to do them. That was going to be my follow-up. That was, that was perfect because I think there's definitely those two sides. There's like, it's hard sometimes to get started the right way um, when we identify the way we do. But then once we do, people are like, whoa, never would have expected that. So I relate heavily to that as well. But what would be like your kind of advice to young women who'd be in that kind of situation, whether it's facing struggles in the beginning or not getting the credit that they feel they deserve um, for the work that they've done? What would you kind of say to them? I would say that the biggest thing when you're getting started with, you know, anything involving like making an organization or advocacy, try to find a network of people that will constantly support you through everything because Okay, Sky and I have been best friends since we were what, like two years old. And honestly, I could not have done this with anyone else because, you know, we're able to keep each other in check. We're there for each other when we break down, but we're also there to build each other back up. We call each other out when, you know, we're slacking a little bit. And it's that perfect sort of partnership. And I think in whatever you're doing, it's so much better to work with the team and really have a team mentality rather than being like, hey, I'm going to be the person who is leading all of this by myself and taking it all on. You know what I mean? I, I think that like for sure, trying to have a network of people who support you helps you get through those challenges, especially when you're starting off. I think it's also really important to remember not to let other people define your worth and your success because if you really believe in your mission enough then your mission is all you need and all you need to voice you don't owe it to anyone to prove anything about yourself and you also just really like if you believe in your mission and what you're doing you're going to be so much more successful than if you are um, sitting around and waiting for other people to tell you that what you're doing is good enough and um, like if you're defining your worth by how other people um, perceive your work rather than having other people def um, define your worth by how you are defining your worth, I think you're going to find yourself kind of lost because um, you're expecting praise that you just can't expect because you never know how other people are going to react to things. But when you radiate um, this like positivity and understand when people can tell that you are passionate and understand your own worth, they're going to take you a lot more seriously and believe in your mission as much as you do. That was so well said. I think that's something that a lot of young girls need to hear. Maybe not even young girls. I think just young people in general definitely needs to be said. And, and I think you put it really well. I don't think I would even have anything to add to that. So do you guys have any sort of last words, maybe, maybe more advice, maybe calls to action, maybe places to get involved with other work you're doing? Just go for it. So Sky and I actually, you know, work together with you on a social entrepreneurship 101 conference. And I know in the future, we're really going to plan to do similar things. And I think finding resources like that, where you can talk to people who are in teen led organizations who have gone through it, um, free resources like that, you can often find a lot through social media. And those are the networks and communities of people that are always going to be there to support one another. I really suggest like reaching out to find them and you can always reach out to us through the COVID-19 project Instagram. So at COVID-19 project. Um, and I honestly think that by reaching out to those in your community and beyond and seeking out those resources, you can really find a solid foundation for where to start. Yeah, Sarah kind of touched on the last thing I was gonna say, which is really don't hesitate to reach out to people. 
I know as more of an introverted person, I was really hesitant to do that, especially at first. And it still will make me nervous from time to time to reach out to people. But you never know the connections that you can make um, by reaching out to people and just having conversations and seeing kind of how they can connect you to other people or just get you more involved. So really don't hesitate to reach out to people. Okay, awesome. Well, that was amazing. Thank you guys so much for agreeing to talk to me and to be on the podcast. Um, it was a lot of fun to hear about your project and all the other work you guys have done. And I wish you guys the best in the future. Thank you, Thank you so, so much, so much for having us. <laughs> and with that, we will wrap up this episode. Huge thank you to Sky and Sarah for being here. And remember to follow at Lead Hership Conference on Instagram and get involved with our mission. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next Sunday here on the Lead Hership podcast for our final episode of the season. Wear your masks, social distance, and stay safe until we see you next.